Isaiah 65, 17-25 Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people." My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Thank you, Julia. Well, good morning. Akiana Kramaric, who grew up in Lithuania, at the age of four, she started to have visions of God, of Jesus. And they kept coming to her, visions of heaven. The interesting thing about Akiana was she was raised in a family that uh, were atheists. She never heard stories of Jesus. She never heard stories of heaven. If anything, it was the opposite of that. Yet the visions kept coming. And by the time she was eight years old, she had to somehow express these visions that she was having of heaven and of God and of Jesus. And so at eight years old, she painted, if you could back up to this picture of Jesus, at eight years old, she became a child prodigy who kept on painting and painting and painting. She's still painting today. She's about 22. It's interesting, in this picture of Jesus, in the book, the movie, Heaven is for Real, Four-year-old Colton Burpo almost dies, and some of you have read the book and seen the movie. And he says when he died that he went to heaven. And that he sat with Jesus, and Jesus hugged him, and they, they played together and talked and walked in heaven. And he shares his experience with his family, who at first just take him as a four-year-old with a wonderful imagination. But then he starts to share things that nobody could have ever known that he definitely could have never known. He says, Jesus introduced me to my sister. His mother had lost a a little child and had a miscarriage. And Colton says, I met her. And I want you to know, Mommy and Daddy, she's good. She's very good. She kept on hugging me, telling me that she loves me. And he kept on sharing these things of his experience in heaven. And at the end of the book and the end of the movie, there's a scene 
where a CNN report comes on. And the father's watching this. He's like, oh, this is really interesting. There's a child from Lithuania who seems to have a similar experience to what Colton had. That she experienced God and Jesus. And Colton walks around and he looks at at the computer that has the CNN report. And there's this painting of Jesus on on the screen. And Colton, in his innocence, says this very matter-of-factly. Oh yeah, that's Jesus. That's who I walked with. Our longing for heaven, we all have it. We want to be there. We want to walk with Jesus. We want to be whole again. Painters over the century have painted beautiful pictures of their ideas of heaven from Dante and all kinds of painters all over the world have painted these images of the Lord in heaven. And we find out, if we could show a few of those paintings, that's Dante's painting. And as we see this imagery and what the Lord is doing, and what the Lord is stirring in our hearts, this amazing longing to walk through the gates, to be welcomed in, And one of the things I want you to know for sure (laughs) is we can be assured that that Spot and Whiskers will be there with us. Someone had this vision of heaven. We do. We long for heaven. We long for things to be made right, to be whole again. And in this fractured, broken world, we, we, we long for new bodies. We long to be with Jesus. But here's the truth, gang, we're still here. And so we go, oh Lord, how do we keep running this race? But you've given us this beautiful hope for heaven. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. It's a promise. Not built by human hands. Built, of course, by the Lord. Meanwhile, while we're here on this planet, guess what? We groan. We long to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened. And we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed instead in our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. He's making us for this. Who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Those of us who have received the love of Jesus have surrendered our lives to Him. And said, Lord, be Lord of my life. And we become children of God. Then what Paul is telling us is the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that we're going to have eternal life with Him. Not only will we have life here on this planet, but then we have life for eternity. Beautiful and whole and perfect. No more groaning. The older we get, right? We groan in the morning especially. Just trying to get out of bed. No more of that. 
Therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal. While we're here on this planet, we make it our goal to please Him. For whether we're at home in the body or away from it, we make it our goal to please Him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. This whole passage is about camping, isn't it? You know what camping is intended? It has one purpose, to make us long for home. It's true, right? Let's pray for that this morning. Father, we do. We long for heaven. And yet we know you still have us here on this planet. And, and Father, I pray that your spirit would keep ministering to us and, and working in us. We thank you for the, for the hope that we have in heaven and eternity with you. That it's a, a guaranteed and the spirit is a deposit into us that we will have life with you forever. Whatever that looks like, Lord, we can only imagine that. But you give us a taste. And Father, keep spurring us on as we run the race here. We long, Father, to to please you with our lives. We long to glorify you with our lives. Father, in the middle of the suffering that we go through, in the middle of the groaning that we go through, may may we just lean into you, dependent upon you, that that you will walk with us through that. And that truly someday that will all come to an end. We can have this beautiful hope of life eternal with you. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the hope we have. Thank you for life in you. In your precious name, amen. Isaiah cries out for Israel in the middle of their brokenness, their need for a Savior. In Isaiah 64, we studied this a while ago, Isaiah's crying out, You're the father, we're the clay, you're the potter. We're all the work of your hand. But Lord, we need you to be the father that you are. We need you to be the God that you are. Look all around us. Your sacred places have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland. Jerusalem is a desolation. It's all destroyed. There is no temple We have no place to worship. Lord, respond to us. And I think God responds with giving Isaiah a vision of heaven, the kingdom of God, eternal life with our Lord. And as we read Isaiah 65, I think these words should give us hope, a certain hope. It's not a wishful thinking, well, boy, that would be lovely someday. Hopefully that all works out. No, it's, it's certain. And you can live in this hope. It's not just to live on this planet, just awaiting some form of bliss. It's living the life of Christ right now, but knowing that, guess what? This is just a tent. We are aliens passing through. This is not our permanent place. You can have that certain hope. You can live with these beautiful visions and, and thinking about Eternity, 
It's good for us to think, oh my gosh, this is all going to be made whole. It's so broken right now. And God is doing that redemptive work, and he has done. Died on the cross for that, so that we could have life in him. Verse 17 says this, See, behold, I will create, promise of God, a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered anymore. And they will not come to our mind, or literally our heart. God is saying, open your eyes. I want you to see the big picture of my redemptive work that I'm going to do. My restorative, my renewing, my healing work that I'm going to do. Open your eyes. I know you're suffering right now. I know it's hard. I know you're, you're struggling on the journey. But open your eyes. I want you to see what's in store for you. I want you to see heaven. I want you to see relationship with me now and into eternity. Behold, I will create. Three times in these few short verses of this passage, I will create, I will create, I will create. It harkens us back to Genesis, doesn't it? It brings us back to this amazing place of the garden of that which is beautiful and new and whole and perfect. And the word create that he uses here is that it's going to be brand new. It comes from nothing. From nothing becomes something and it's wonderful and it's beautiful and it's valuable and it's amazing. I will create a new heavens and a new earth. And I give you my spirit as a deposit, saying, you're going to be there with me. Our longing for heaven. I will create from brand new. You see, this isn't some HGTV show. This isn't fixer-upper. Let's just slap some paint and put down new sod. Joanna and Chip Gaines really have nothing on the almighty creator of everything new. It isn't a remodel job. God's going to make it all new, like He did in Genesis. It's the second Genesis. And all of these things will come to be. So behold, open your eyes. I want you to see. I want to give you hope in the middle of the trial. And the former things will not be remembered. God's amazing creation, all the stuff, the junk, all the stuff of the past, washed. Won't come to mind. They won't be seated in our hearts. Shame and guilt from sin, broken relationships, gone. God doesn't hold on to it. He paid for it. You're not going to be drawn back to your old flesh. It's all going to be new. Think about the promises of our God. God's new world, His new creation, new heavens and new earth, So wonderful, none of the problems of the past will be remembered. None of the problems of the past will be repeated. We'll not recall the nights of pain, the years reduced activity and productivity. We're not going to recall the failures, the partings, the bereavements. 
Those of us who are suffering and grieving the loss of loved ones will never feel the pangs of loneliness ever again. Those who are ravaged with arthritis and fibromyalgia and osteoporosis and all those things that just cause our body to ache, never again. Those of us who are worried whether or not God accepts us as we are will never feel insecure again. Those of us who are unsure of God's love will never feel unloved again. A new world. There's going to be no more sleepless nights, no more sluggish days, no more sickness. In God's new world, no more guilt, no more greed or jealousy or gut-wrenching worries or depressing sorrow, no more goodbyes. In God's new world, no more crime, no more violence, no more war, no more lies, no more injustice, no more heartaches or heartburn or heart attacks in God's new world. All the wrongs of the past will be rectified. Everything will be set right. Behold, I'm creating a new heavens and a new earth. It's all going to be new, and you as well. That should give us hope. We should think about heaven every now and then. It should give us hope. And while we're on this planet, we live to please God. While we're on this planet, we groan. And we go through the suffering, but guess what? He goes through it with us. And while Israel's going through the suffering, he's saying, hey... Isaiah, I want your people to see what's in store for them. I still love them. I'm still calling them to myself. I want them to know what's going on. So rejoice, verse 18 says, in what I will create. I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. Be glad and rejoice. We can be a people who are glad people, a people who rejoice in God's good news. It will be new and it will be very, 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 very good. And for those of us who are children of God, we will be there with Him. Isaiah 64 again says, Jerusalem's in ruins, no place to worship. He says, that's okay, there's going to be a new city, Jerusalem. You were meant to be a blessing, and you shall be. You're going to be restored to what you were intended to be. This passage in Isaiah 65, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because it's, it's what Revelation 21 speaks of. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. We sang about that this morning. Come on. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what does. God's going to create everything new. A new city, a new Jerusalem. It's all going to be made whole. We're going to be able to worship there. And we're going to be free. And we're going to be able to love. And our relationships are going to go deeper and deeper and deeper for all of eternity. So be a people who rejoice over that. Even though you're aching on this planet and groaning. 
We can only imagine what it's going to be like. I feel like there should be a song about that. How amazing that the loving God would do this for us, for his children. How amazing that a loving God would do this for us. Do you think about that? And so what should we do in response? We should live our lives to please him. We should live our lives in obedience. We should be rejoicing, thankful for God's redemptive work. How should we live in light of the wonderful truth of of heaven, of eternity with God, that we've been saved, that the Spirit is a deposit? How should we respond? 2 Peter 3 says, listen, you ought to live holy, godly lives in light of this truth. You ought to live lives that in the middle of the suffering and the trial that you are found spotless and blameless, that you should live at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience with us right now means salvation. That means if you're not a child of God yet, He's waiting for you. Because you see, He wants to be in heaven with you. He wants to have a relationship with you now, and He wants it with you for eternity. And Colton got to sit there and sit on Jesus' lap and experience that. And He wants that for each of us. We rejoice over that. Found spotless. We consider it pure joy when we suffer trials of many kinds. This is how we're to live in light of this wonderful truth. We know that God is working. He's conforming us into His image. He's sharpening us. He's helping us to persevere as we run the race. He's giving us exactly what we need. And He goes with us. How should we respond? We keep on living. The end of all things is at hand. What do we do? Well, we pray. We offer hospitality. That means be a lover of strangers. We live in our spiritual gifts. We keep on living in Christ. In light of what we know to be true of heaven, of eternity. We keep on living know that while we're on this planet, we groan and we suffer and we ache. But God is going to redeem all that. It will end. Some of you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There is. He says, rejoice. I will rejoice, verse 19, over Jerusalem. And take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard. It it will be heard no more. Here's the beautiful thing of this verse. Look Look at it closely. I will rejoice. I'm going to take delight in my people. He is the one who just loves celebrating and rejoicing over his children. It kind of has the flavor of, and this is my son, this is my child, with whom I'm well pleased. And you're like, what? In the middle of all my ick? Yep, I'm going to redeem it all. I'm going to look upon you, and I rejoice over you. I rejoice over you, Jerusalem, Israel, my chosen ones. I rejoice over you, children of God. I love you. It's going to be all new. There will be no more weeping. There will be no more crying. This is modern-day Jerusalem. This picture is of the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. Where that dome of the rock is, 
that's where the temple was. And right now in Jerusalem, there's not rejoicing, there's not celebration, there's weeping. Lord, we long to restore your kingdom. We long for the next temple. We don't have it. All that there is in Israel right now is tension and pressure, surrounded by enemies, crying out to God, yet missing His Son, Jesus, most of them. This is Jerusalem today. Jerusalem, city of shalom, peace. It's not that at all. But He says, I'm going to restore all of this. It will be new. I am creating a new heaven and a new earth. And look, Revelation 21, it's going to come down from heaven, a new Jerusalem. And he goes on. Let me tell you a little more about heaven and eternity with me. Verse 20. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child, and the one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. As we dive into verse 20 and 25 through 25, I just want to make a a quick comment. Many theologians believe that as this section comes into verse 20, it transitions into what is called Christ's millennial reign. A thousand year reign of our Lord's kingdom. Jesus on earth. It's spoken of many times throughout scriptures, specifically in Revelation 20. And for me personally, in my study, I I lean towards this perspective. But I have many wonderful friends, pastors, and theologians that that have a different perspective of this and what's going to happen in the end times. And they believe that these images uh, of eternity, uh, these verses, are, are really an imagery. They're they're speaking about, they're trying to say, this is what eternity with God is going to look like. It's not a literal thousand years, but it's, a, it's an idea that, that God's kingdom is going to come forth and under His kingdom rule, and as we go into eternity with our Lord, that we'll experience life like this, like the images that we're given. And so when it, when it speaks about one who, a hundred years is like nothing, and it would be called a curse, it's really saying... You've you got to understand something about heaven and eternity with God. It's going to be long life. Not only long life, it's going to be eternal life. Oh my gosh, it would be, to be a hundred would be a joke compared to what heaven's really going to be. It's going to be long life. And so that's the, the imagery. And let me just say this, really. Both, both perspectives are very valid. But we can't miss the big picture. What's the big picture? Our God is going to reign. Our God is going to make everything new. We are going to dwell in heaven and eternity with our God as children of the Lord. And we have to humbly come to one another as we study the scriptures and go, you know what? I come with going, God's ways are not my ways. His creativity, how he's going to work all this out in the end, I'm just going to let God do his deal. Quite frankly, I don't think any of us, if we're, if we're humble enough, could say, we've got it figured out. But here's the promise. He's creating a new heaven and a new earth. And we as children are going to be with Him. And He will reign. And He will make it whole. 
And so we receive hope from that. We get eternal life with Him. Long life. Eternal, forever, full life in His presence. Health. No more pillboxes every day. And he goes on in verse 21. They will build houses and they'll dwell in them. They'll plant vineyards. They're going to eat their fruit. There's not going to be houses that are built and others live in them or plant and others eat. For the days of the tree, so will be the days of my people. The chosen ones who will long and they will enjoy the work of their hands. What he's saying there is, guess what? There's going to be peace. Fruit from the vineyard is symbolic of joy. There's going to be joy with our Lord. There will be justice. Nobody's going to take your property like they have been, Israel. There's so much injustice on this planet. He's saying that's not going to happen anymore. You're going to enjoy the fruit of your labor. You're going to have justice in me. Life will be made whole again. There will be incredible joy. There's going to be no fear of being cast out. How good that must have been to hear from Isaiah to really these outcasts, these in exile who have no home. How good it must be to hear, we will finally have a home. Nobody's going to take it over. We're not going to be conquered again. Nobody's going to destroy us in our temple and our place of worship. It's like when I met with a dear brother in Jordan, Syrian refugee, who's a Muslim at the moment. But I sat with him and I said to him, and I said, listen, do you want to go back to Syria? And he goes, Pastor Rod, he goes, he goes, let me show you something on my iPad. He goes, see this apartment complex here? I said, oh, the one that's totally crumbled and absolutely destroyed? He said, yeah, that's my home. He goes, it'll never be repaired. And he literally said to me, we have no hope. What's our hope? We have no hope. And so I got the opportunity to share with them hope. I reminded them of Jeremiah 29, 11, which was spoken to the Israelites coming, who were in exile in Babylon. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. And I reminded them that the God of the Bible loves you radically. And this is the hope he offers. To restore you and to renew you and to give you life. Yeah, that earthly tent is totally broken. But as you surrender your life to Christ... We have a new dwelling. That's the hope we have. And it's true. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. They will be a people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. We see the reversal of the curse. Labor will produce fruit. Children won't live in abandonment. Children won't reject God. There'll be wholeness in the family. Before they call, I will answer and they will still be speaking. I will hear. 
It gives us a beautiful picture of intimacy with the Lord. I want to show you a few pictures of what I think when we come into heaven, God's going to just receive us and hug us and I'm present with you. Heaven isn't just a a place. It's Christ's presence with us, Him loving us, making it whole again. Shouldn't we have a hope for heaven? God wants us to have this image. Welcome, my child. Welcome, my child. And the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like an ox. They will never harm or destroy my holy city. Even the animals will have a new nature. We will dwell with them. It will be unified and whole and peaceful and perfect. C.S. Lewis, I'll finish with this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was not made for this world, but I was made for another. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy, it does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably the earth's pleasures were never meant to satisfy my longing, but only to arouse it, only to suggest the real thing. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Let's pray. Father, we want to press on to that other country. And while you have us here on this planet, and while we groan and, and we go through this the daily journey of life, we want to live to please you. So Father, help us. Help us to live life now. And keep giving us this beautiful hope of eternity with you. We thank you that you've given us your spirit as a deposit, as a guarantee. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.